This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Welcome to the Raptors Weekly Extra Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Yes, you're getting a third podcast this week. Uh, there's that much to talk about. Fourth podcast this week. Will and, and Zarar had the, the weekly regular. Uh, Daniel Hackett and I went over the offseason scenarios. And then Will had to drop a reaction podcast to the Nick Nurse hiring. Uh, it is also draft season. And although at Raptors Republic, we have not had a ton of draft content because the Toronto Raptors do not have a draft pick, nor have they been having very many draft workouts. Uh, we're going to give you... At least a little bit of a draft podcast today. Uh, joining me is Wes Brown. Uh, Wes, you guys will probably remember from a Draft Time podcast last year. Uh, in the time since, he's now running a scouting service called Monday Morning Scouting Report. Uh, you can find that at nbaprospects.com. And you could also find him uh, on Twitter. Wes, thank you so much for coming on, man. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Blake. What's your Twitter handle? I forgot to drop it off the top. Wes Blair Brown. There you go. Wes Blair Brown uh, on Twitter and the Monday Morning Scouting Service. Um, don't give us the hard sell here, Wes, but what are you doing at NBAProspects.com right now? Uh, what we're doing is really helping out uh, all levels of basketball. So we do NCAA scouting for NBA teams and agents. Uh, and then because we're based in Toronto, uh, we do Canadian AU scouting and high school scouting for mostly NCAA teams, but also the others just so they get a head start, you know, NBA teams on on what's coming. So uh, you can check out more details again at nbaprospects.com. And you have been at the uh, U18 Americas in St. Catharines the last couple of days. Yeah, yeah, I've been there for uh, the last three days. Uh, there's been four, ga- uh, four games a day. It's been great. Uh, the talent looks pretty good from Canada. The Americans, probably a weaker team for them. And there's a few kind of highlights uh, elsewhere, um, some bigs that are 
that are pretty good that are going to go play D1, and we'll see what happens uh, with them, you know, in the next few years. We're we're mostly going to talk uh, NBA draft stuff, but quickly because there is a hunger for Canada basketball updates on uh, Raptors Republic fairly often, and, and it was a uh, it was an exciting Wednesday. Um, Canada basketball on the women's side announced their their pool of 22 that they'll pull from for the Women's World Cup later this year. Um, obviously, less big a year for for the men, but they're at home. Uh, with the senior national team having two FIBA qualifiers, one in Toronto, one in Ottawa. Uh, but what did you see from the under-18 talent on the on the Canadian side? Anyone stand out to you as a name to watch following in the uh, Alexander Barrett kind of pipeline that's coming through right now? Yeah, well, the obvious name is Andrew Nemhart, who's really improved his shot. Uh, he's got incredible vision. I mean, elite. He's already got elite NBA vision. He sees the game probably ahead of, you know, a little too far ahead of his teammates right now. <laughs> He's he's uh, he's been featured actually as a scorer, which he never usually does. He's usually more of a playmaker, and he looks really good. I mean, he looks like an NBA level guy, and he's going to Florida next season. Uh, there's some really good athletes in AJ Lawson and Joel Brown, who are really pushing the pace. Obviously, Dave Smart wants them to push it and play a transition game, and that's exactly what they're doing. They're uh, they're creating turnovers and getting on running. Similar uh, to the U19 team last year that won gold. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because you know we have the athletes now. Yeah. And uh, and there's a, another player, Emmanuel Miller, who's kind of a sound defender, a slasher, has a nice floater game. So uh, the talent looks pretty good, to be honest. You know, maybe there's one or two NBA guys there. Nice. That's uh, that's exciting to know. And then, you know, at least from a highlight perspective, Addison Patterson could get up. And that name is super fun to say. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. He's he's a really good scorer. And uh, I don't know about the other dimensions of his game, but his attacking is elite. He's just got great feel for getting to the rim. All right, so those guys, you know, maybe one or two NBAers down the line. Uh, what, really, only one Canadian high in the in the draft this year in Alexander. Uh, maybe Justin Jackson gets a look. Uh, a couple other names, uh, Mikhail McIntosh, um, maybe a few other ones out there. Um, I know Mature Maker pulled out and he was identifying as Canadian. Uh, any, what do you, what do you think of the Canadians in this draft ahead? I definitely like Shy. Uh, beyond him, I don't know if any of them are going to get drafted. Uh, Justin Jackson's long. He's always been a good player, improving shot. Uh, you know, I think his wingspan is really going to help him in that he can play so many positions. Um, so I think he'll probably be a second round pick. Shy's the only real elite type talent. Uh, he's got a weak shot, but everything else, he's got a really high Q. He's great at uh, getting steals in the lane on defense. He's long. He's great at getting to the hoop. He's not the best athlete, but he knows kind of where to pick and choose his spots and how to get there. And he, the best thing I like about him is he creates easy buckets for teammates. He creates layups, not just open threes. So he's uh, he's a great prospect. I mean, he's lottery talent. And, you know, at worst, he's going to drop to maybe 20, you know. Nice. I love him. I love him. I'm really high on him. Um, yeah, he's but yeah, you know, you you know me. I have a I have a Canadian. You know me from sitting with me at G League games that there's a there's a slight Canadian bias there. Yeah, I don't be. blame you. I don't blame you. Yeah, it has to be. Um, okay. So I, I want to talk just briefly about the top of the draft because it's obviously the most interesting every year. Uh, the Toronto Raptors do not have a pick, so I doubt very much that names like DeAndre Ayton and Marvin Bagley are going to slide to them or Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, however, with how active the Raptors figure to be in at least trade discussions uh, with the fact that we've heard of Memphis and maybe Dallas shopping the number four and number five picks, uh, and who knows what can happen, especially when you have a piece like a DeMar DeRozan, who some people seem to think might hit the market. Um, you know, what do you, do you see this as, as a top five draft and then a drop off? Do you see it as a, 
like a top seven draft and then drop off? Where where's the talent drop off here? And if if the Raptors were to say move into the number four, number five, who do you like for them uh, there? That if you know, depending on how the draft plays out at the top. Well, I think the drop off is probably at about fourteen or so. Uh, there's probably. 14 guys at the top, I would say, or so that have kind of star talent with maybe Kevin Knox and Lonnie Walker on the lower end of that. Okay. Uh, to me, at the top, there's probably eight to 10 guys, which would be Aiton, Bagley, Jackson, Porter, Doncic, Young, Bamba, Carter, uh, Sexton, and Bridges, I would think. Bridges, if he, I would say, maybe even is in his own bracket there because I don't think he has kind of the star potential as those top nine guys, but. He's more of a sure thing, I think, than a lot of the other guys. Uh, so that top nine, I would say, are are the star potential guys. And then I think there probably will be another star that comes out from the lower end, but it's much less of a sure thing. You yeah. have much less confidence taking any of those guys. So um, at, at the top, I think the top two are locked in, I would think, are will be Aiton and Bagley. And then after that, who knows where Atlanta's going to go, you know, they could go big. I've heard they want to pair Collins with a guy like Jaron Jackson, who's versatile and a shop locker, because that isn't really Collins' role. But at the same time, Michael Porter Jr. is a bit of an unknown, but he was the top guy coming in. They could have Doncic as a guard, maybe even Trey Young if they believe in him. Bamba's also a bit of an unknown with, I think, a high floor, but we don't know what it'll become. So once that third pick hits, we have no idea where it's going to go. But I think those top two are probably locked in. So say the Raptors were to somehow land in the number four or number five spot, um, and, and we're assuming for sure that, that Bagley and Aiton are off the board. Is there one of these guys at the top that you would see as like a particularly great fit for the Raptors and what they're doing and where they are on their timeline? Well, no, I don't think these guys are ready for the most part. I think the most ready guy would be Wendell Carter, who, who already has – really good footwork on the offensive end and is a great shot blocker and has good timing. But the types of Raptor players, I would call them, which is two-way players that can shoot, that can develop, that have the athleticism, kind of like OG, would probably be Jaron Jackson and Michael Porter. Those are probably your two top guys. And I think they would probably like Doncic, but with Lowry and DeRozan there, I mean, I don't know how many minutes he would get. So I, I, I would he's, think... He's got decent size, right? Oh, yeah, he's, he's got great size. The, the thing is, I think he's more of a point guard than people. People think he's an off-ball player, and as of yet, I don't think he's shown to be able to play off-ball. I think he okay. needs the ball. So that would be kind of a tough fit for me to believe. Yeah, so maybe, uh, fits, maybe fits with Lowry in the event it was DeRozan going out in this deal because Lowry's such a good shooter, um, but maybe less so if DeRozan's still in the fold. And Definitely. Yeah, those, those two guys, I mean, Doncic is already an elite shooter he's got a great shot he can shoot off the dribble catch and shoot so those two would work together nicely probably and his size would make up for Lowry's lack of uh, thereof but um I think the types of Raptor guys I would say would be more P Porter Jr. and Jackson Jr. types of guys that are versatile that can help building forwards with guys like Siakam and uh and OG all right, let's lower let's shift the goalposts here a little bit and get a little more yeah. realistic because yeah you know, I don't think we need to spend too much time on the Raptors getting into the top five. Um, let's first, I think the most realistic scenario is them just purchasing straight up a second round pick. They have 5.1 million they can include in a trade that expires on July 1st. Um, they are a 
team that's shown they're they're willing to spend. They've never spent into the tax, but they spend on BioSteel, they spend on executives, they spend on the G League team. Uh, I have no reason to think they wouldn't spend on a draft pick if there's a guy they like. Uh, but let's talk. I, I'm not sure what the framework would be. Hypothetically, the Raptors find their way into a late first round pick. Uh, you mentioned earlier Raptor type of guys. Um, and I know, you know, being around Toronto, you, you have a pretty good idea of what that is and being at a lot of 905 games and Raptors games. Um, is there someone you like as a, as a kind of late first or first round bubble prospect that the Raptors would probably have to pick up a first to get, but you see it as potentially a really strong fit? Yeah, Kyrie Thomas. Uh, Kyrie Thomas is uh, probably under 6'4", but I think he has a 6'10 wingspan. Crazy, crazy good defender. I mean, he's played a few years of college, and he's got the feel for getting in your grill, getting over screens, affecting shots. I mean, I've seen him shut down top scorers in college like Trayvon Blewett. He is incredible on defense, and he's improving offensively. Right now, he's more of just a spot-up shooter and attacker. And But he, he picks and chooses his spots, and he's not going to hurt you immediately and can contribute off-ball immediately and then can become a lot more down the road. So... Yeah, putting he, a guy in. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say he's an interesting guy with the, you know, not a huge volume of threes, but over thirty nine percent all three seasons at Creighton. Um, really strong steal rates in in his junior or as uh, sophomore and junior years, and then he's already twenty two after a junior season. But the Raptors really haven't shied away from those kind of guys uh, right. in the past. So they're definitely from a strictly statistical profile. Um, there's a lot to like there, and even some work as a secondary playmaker, um, sniffing three assists a game the last two years. So. Um, yeah, that's an interesting name. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know about his playmaking. I don't know if that'll ever be there. But just as a two-way guy that can already shoot, I mean, his defensive instincts are are elite. I mean, he would he can already you know guard starting guards. So that's his that's his elite skill, and he can come in and you know play right away. Yeah, and with the way the especially with the way they're out their second unit plays, a guy who can create a lot of live ball turnovers like that. Yeah. Um, you know, especially in the in the event that Fred VanVleet were to were to leave in free agency. Um, you know, that's a skill that they need. That's something DeLon Wright does really well. Pascal Siakam obviously is a, is a terror on the break. And I think that'll, you know, whatever Nick Nurse does, I think that live ball turnover, get out and transition will still be a part of, of the identity of the, the young guys on that team. Um, is there anyone else in that kind of range that, that you like? Yeah, uh, Dante DiVincenzo, who's been one of my favorite players for over a year now. I mean, I couldn't remember a year ago telling people, because I saw him live twice in the tournament last year, and I thought actually in the in the uh, Big East tournament and then in the in the uh, NCAA tournament, uh, saying I thought he was the best prospect on the team. And nailed Mikel Bridges has had a great season, but I still think DiVincenzo is the best prospect on the team. He's just really good in every facet of the game. His shooting is awesome. He gets square and he's got a perfect release. His athleticism is top notch. He's a good playmaker, and even when he's not contributing offensively if he's off you know he might have a, a two for six game but he'll usually make a really big play defensively whether it's a block and help or a big steal he always contributes and he's a winning contributor so that's a guy that it seems like he's moved skyrocketed up boards and that's a guy i would love to have on my team because i think he's good at everything does it concern you that he already feels like a boston celtic <laughs> yeah that's a little scary you don't want them adding any more Winning players, you know, high IQ guys to their team. That's, you know, I, that was a smart move, honestly, that they, I saw they went for lunch. So nice. you know, that's, 
that's a smart guy to get on your team. Nice, yeah, and I think yeah. I think Boston picks twenty seven, so um, that might be the range there. Um, right. Okay, so let's let's shift the goalposts again a little bit because you know as much as everyone would love to to pick up a first round pick, it might not be super realistic. Um, you know, looking at the teams that have them, I'm not really sure who would be super motivated to to get off of a late first um, with where they are. But the second round. There are a number of teams that have multiple second-round picks. Uh, in general, we've seen second-round picks are fairly easy to come by, either through cash or, or for another future second. Uh, you know, the Raptors technically have Norman Powell, who they can shop. Uh, Daniel Hackett and I talked about this uh, on the podcast on Tuesday. Uh, not sure how realistic it is Powell returns you a, a pick, given the salary you're trying to get out from under. Uh, but in general, it seems fairly likely that the Raptors could if they were so motivated, get into the second round somehow. Now, the way that I've read this draft so far, and you can tell me if I'm off here, um, but looking at some of the rankings and the fluidity in the rankings in the back half of the draft, it seems like this is a fairly flat draft once you get out of the elite talent. And what I mean by that is, you know, the guys that, uh, the, the, the Stepien, um, they, they have, you know, their, their tier seven has like 60 names in it. Um, because everyone's kind of all over the place on where they like guys from, say, 30 to 60 uh, in the draft. And you see, you know, ESPN doesn't match up with Sports Illustrated, doesn't match up with Sam Vecini's. Um, and, and you see that kind of variability in the back half of the draft, which, um, and I wrote about this for The Athletic on Wednesday, that can be an opportunity and a threat. It can be an opportunity in the sense that you might very well get a guy that you like and you see as a, a fringe first-round talent or early second-round talent, and he slides through in a draft like this. But you could also, you know, buy into the draft and it's still not end up with uh, with the guy you want or, or, you know, try really hard to buy into the draft and then the guy you like and thought would be there is gone five or ten picks earlier. Uh, do, you, do you feel that kind of flatness of the draft once you get outside of the elite talent? Yeah, definitely. Everyone I've talked to has different players – you know, all, all around in the 20s or in the 30s. And it seems like there's a, there's a, you know, maybe 60 to 80 guys that could legitimately go after 20 and you have no idea where they're going to go. So I definitely agree. I know I have some of my guys and other teams have theirs, but uh, there's no, there's no clear defined section. You know, like you said, after tier seven, you know, my tier seven might have zero players that, that you know, the, that are the same as yours. Right. So it's it's definitely interesting, uh, and that's why the draft this year will be particularly interesting because, you know, the 25th pick, nobody has any idea who that's going to be and who's going to be available there. So it's going to be interesting, yeah. And and the same goes for 40 or 50. It's it's all over the place. So it's just going to depend on who the teams fall in love with, really. Uh, so if if you're the Raptors, then uh, put yourselves in their shoes, and, and you've got. You know, maybe you don't have a piece you can trade to get in the second round, but you've got this 5.1 million sitting there. Uh, you know, is there is there a point at which you know in this draft you're like, okay, well I'll pay that for say the 35th pick or, or the 40th pick, but once you get down to 50, I'm better off just waiting and trying to play the undrafted free agent market. And the Raptors have done pretty well there. They got Fred VanVleet undrafted. Um, Kennedy Meeks was the guy that they liked and spent the year with the 905 and was a big piece there. And they, they added him pretty much right away undrafted. And they trust, you know, their agent relationships and stuff. Is there a point at which it's just not worth, you know, giving anything up to, to get in because of the, you know, the number of guys you might like that could slide right through? 
Yes and no. You know, you don't know who's going to actually be drafted, so you might be considering 55 and your guys available there, and then they get picked. So we don't really know. But at the same time, I would think they have enough guys that won't get drafted. I mean, in, in my mind, there's I've got a list of probably five to ten guys, and I would guess at least a handful of them, three, four, or five, won't get drafted at all. And I think they can be perfectly good NBA players or two-way players. So, you know, this draft is particularly interesting in that because we just don't know. And, and I can't give you a straight answer as to whether you should buy in or whether you shouldn't. You know, if, if there's someone that you really fall in love with, and this is what I always believe is one of my principles, if there's someone you really fall in love with, no matter where you're picking, just take them. Yeah. You know, if, if you have the 14th pick and you love Dante DiVincenzo, just take him. Don't even think about it. You know, or you love uh, a guy like Malik Newman. You know, you have the 14th pick and you have no more picks and you can't trade down. Just take him. So I say stick to your board. And if and if you can, you know, and if there's a guy you fall in love with, you do whatever you can to get them. That that makes sense. So you mentioned there's a couple names that guys that you could see slipping that that might in your mind be NBA players. Let's talk about those guys because. You know, those are the kind of fines that the Raptors might be facing here, you know, if they can't move in or, or it's too expensive to move into the draft or, or whatever happens where they don't end up with a pick. Even if they do end up with a pick, I'm sure they'll still want to fill out the summer league and the training camp and the 905 roster with, with some of these interesting names. Um, so why don't you hit us with a couple of them? All right. Well, one guy I think that's, again, I would consider a Raptors type player uh, is Ray Spalding from Louisville. He's really long. He's got a 7'5 wingspan he measured in, or just under 7'5". 7'5"? Yeah, just under 7'5". So for those who don't know, Ray Spalding is a 6'10 forward out of Louisville. So that 7'5 right. wingspan is is something else. Right. And, and you know, he projects to be a center in the NBA. I mean, he played a little power forward because they had a true center kind of there um, at Louisville. But he affects a lot with his length, a lot of tips, good shot blocker. He's a good athlete. Uh his shot is improving, and it looks like he's got the coordination to get it down in the pick and pop. Uh, and I've actually seen him push the ball up the court sometimes. He's got an okay handle. I just think he's really good on both ends and has the athletic upside. So that's a guy I could definitely see the Raptors going after. Nice. He's got a pretty decent block and steal rates, too, for anyone curious. Um, he averaged over an assist a game this year, which is you know at least encouraging when you're looking at things like hands and reading the play. Um, the free throw shooting took a big jump this year. So, so Wes mentioned the, the development of his shot. He only went five of 19 on threes, but even seeing that free throw rate come from 55% to 64% is fairly encouraging in terms of projecting what he might be able to do in, in at least the middle of the floor in the, the kind of 17 foot pick and pop range. Um, who, who's next on your, on your list like that? Well, uh, Wes, sorry. Yeah. Like like I was saying, uh, Malik Newman, who I think is still undervalued even after having a great end to the season, he averaged uh, 22 and a half over his last eight games. He's a pretty good defender. I mean, if you go watch the tape of him guarding Grayson Allen, who's also a pretty good athlete, he did a pretty good job of staying uh, staying in front of him in the tournament. Uh, he's a great shooter. He's a bit of a combo guard, but uh, I think his scoring ability makes up for it a little. Um he can finish at the rim, and he's got a really quick first step. So, I mean, again, he's not really a Raptors-type player because he lacks a bit of the length, but he can play both ends. And with a guy like DeLon Wright, he, you know, they can kind of switch, take turns playing on-ball and off-ball. And, and after starting the season really cold, Malik Newman, it seemed like he lost his confidence in his way. He played spectacular the second half of the season. His shot is elite, and, and I think he can be a scorer immediately, even if he doesn't have elite potential. 
he can be a scorer off the bench for anyone. So Yeah, and, and always an encouraging sign when a guy transfers to a more difficult competitive environment and still, you know, obviously he's a, he's a little on the older end at that point, but he's still only 21, and to, to jump to playing with Kansas and, and see an uptick in not only role but in his numbers almost across the board is, uh, you know, it's encouraging when a guy can make that kind of jump. And then you mentioned the elite performances, 28 against Seton Hall and then 32 against Duke in the Elite Eight, and even 21 in the game they lost to lost to Villanova in the Final Four. Um, impressive impressive stretch to close the year for him. Yeah, yeah, he, he's very good, and I, I just think, He'll just continue to get better. He has the requisite athleticism and shooting. There's no reason he can't be a good NBA player. For sure. Um, who else? You, who, we mentioned Justin Jackson earlier. Um, do you want to give us a little bit more about him just because he's Canadian? I'm sure people will be interested. Uh, the Raptors haven't had him in this year, but they did have him in for a pre-draft workout last year before he ultimately decided to return to Maryland. Right. Right. Well, the problem is for me and everyone else, we haven't seen him play in you know a year and a half. Uh, but Yeah, only 321 minutes this year. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh well, he was he was injured for most of the year. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah, he got injured. I think the second week of December, and then that was it. Right, right. So he's uh, he's I think six seven or a little over six seven with an over seven foot wingspan. Uh, he's kind of a versatile three four type. He's not the most fluid off the bounce. Um, his shooting has definitely improved over the years, uh, but. He plays within the offense pretty well. Defensively, I don't think he moves his feet that well, but from a, the perspective of him being probably a four in the NBA, a stretch four type, I think he can guard those guys just fine. And he's just intriguing because of his length and shooting ability. And he's always been on you know the Canadian rosters. He's been a top guy all the way along. So you know, even though we don't have that the statistics from this year and his play, he's always continued to improve. So. I think he could be a serviceable NBA player. It's hard to to say much more than that because we haven't seen him play this season. Right. But uh, were you surprised he stayed in the draft, given that he lost the chunk of his? I know he's kind of overaged for a sophomore, but yeah. given that he lost most of the year, I think he has to. I think yeah. after declining last year, and when then he was he was a bubble first round pick last year if he stayed in, right? He was, I thought, yeah, I thought he would have gotten drafted last year. But at the same time, like I said, for this year, you can say that for so many players. So, of course, they, they pulled the teams and they said that he wasn't going to guarantee there. So we figured he'd go back to school. Um, so based off, you know, his play from last year, I think that he will get drafted. Uh, but but uh, he, he's a big he's a big question mark. And, you know, I, I think kind of with situations where guys are question marks like that, because he has the length and kind of the past record, he he assumes that he'll get drafted rather than showing more of his skills and maybe lack thereof next year and them thinking, oh, he's tapped out on his potential. That's fair. Um, okay, anyone else in this kind of this kind of back end of the back end of the range? Because I want to hit you with a couple specific names um, after your kind of your not sleepers, I guess here, but guys who might be on the potentially on the undrafted radar. Yeah, well, another another guy that that will probably be undrafted is B.J. Johnson, who played for LaSalle and transferred from Syracuse after not getting any minutes there. Uh, he's a he's a pretty good athlete, I think. He's just got natural rhythm and shooter's footwork off the dribble. Uh, he's a great three point shooter. He's a lefty, and he's got some explosive athleticism. And he was kind of supposed to carry the load there for LaSalle, and maybe had some bad shooting nights here or there, but. 
you saw some glimpses. I think he had a 20 re- twenty point twenty rebound game uh, at one point. Uh, light work, the, light work, twenty point light, twenty rebound game. Light work for a guard, right? I mean, he's a two three, and and he had twenty rebounds, which kind of shows you about his athleticism. And you know, maybe it's that that drive to rebound isn't always there, but I think he can bring a, a scoring edge off the bench. He's already a great shooter. I mean. You know, he's probably a two-way guy, and I think he'll get looks in the league because he's just got a great natural scoring feel. Yeah, that's uh, – I mean, look, man, anytime you can post stat lines like that, there's obviously there's obviously something there, right? Yeah, yeah, and he put up big numbers. I mean, he, I think he averaged 20 points a game this past season and six or so rebounds. So so he put up pretty good numbers, even though it was for, you know, a smaller program. Uh, kind of the background of going to Syracuse and being a top, top recruit before that will help him out in uh, – in you know either getting drafted or going you know being a two-way player nice um yeah i guess the two-way thing is such an interesting wrinkle too that you know i think now that teams have a year uh, of figuring out the two-way what those are going to look like um you know I, I don't know if that shifts the way teams draft in the second round that much but i think because there's that you know i think from the agent and, and player perspective maybe at least there's that you know you can't you're not going to run into a situation necessarily where you're only being offered the hinky special where it's that four year team friendly. Um, you know, the idea of a two way as a second round pick is is maybe just as just as interesting since you you hit restricted free agency um, so much earlier. So I I, I think, uh, yeah, I think that's something to watch for in the second round. I think that's especially something to watch for in the undrafted market. If you can, you know, I know there are teams who will come correct with a with a partial guarantee pretty much right after the draft to get guys. But if you dangle a two-way, you know, the night of June tw- June 21st, that once the draft ends, uh, you know, getting that guaranteed money and an NBA roster spot basically for the year unless you flame out, um, right. I think that's going to be an attractive chip for teams. And we didn't see – I don't think we saw a ton of it last year because teams were still figuring out how to use it. But I, I would be – I would guess that we're going to see a lot more probably early two-ways post-draft this year. Definitely. Yeah, guys, you know, the people that drop uh, teams will take those those players that they like that don't get picked. And I think they'll sign them immediately because I think there will be a lot of them this year, particularly. Yeah. Yeah. Like like we talked about with the the flatness of the draft kind of there. Every team's going to have a guy that they like. Right. Right. Um, um, Whether they can agree within organizations on which guys those are, because I'm sure if you and I sat down, we like different guys and, uh, you know, we loop someone else and they like different guys. Um, I want to talk about the guys that the Raptors have brought in for draft workouts just briefly. Um, you and I have talked about them a little bit anyway, uh, but for, for the listener, uh, the Raptors so far this year have brought in 17 players for draft workouts. They'll do another. We're recording this Wednesday. I believe they're set to have another draft workout Thursday, um, but again, there won't be notable names. They haven't brought in a name that's ranked you know, really in the top 60 with any consistency. Uh, really, the only two that are top 100 consistency consistently are Dakota Mathias and Costas Antetokounmpo. Uh, do you have thoughts on either of those guys? Uh, obviously, Antetokounmpo, you know, the book on him is pretty straightforward. Uh, but I know Dakota Mathias is a guy you think could at least be a solid G-leaguer. Yeah, I don't see Dakota Mathias as a NBA guy ever, or, or even a two-way probably, unless you're really scraping the surface because... He doesn't really have that upside. Shooting he's, specialist might be the only way he really cracks out of the gate, right? Right, right. And and he's a good shooter, but I don't think he's he's a, an elite shooter. Uh, the the one thing that everybody liked he he moves the ball pretty well. He's unselfish. Uh, defensively, he's pretty strong. He's a high. He's got a high IQ uh, defensively and help. 
and he can keep his man in front of him pretty well. But against the higher level athletes, I don't think he will be able to. Uh, but, you know, I just don't really see the value in, in putting dollars into a player like that who, you know, isn't really a three and D guy. Really, he's more of just a three guy because I, I worry he would have trouble with with better athletes. Uh, but but he's he's a he's a smart player. You know he'll be a good G League player. But if I were his agent, I would tell him to just go to Europe and make some money. Um, Costas is an intriguing player. Obviously, he has great size and, and length. Uh, in the games that I've watched him, he kind of doesn't know yet where to pick and choose his spots in attack, and kind of just puts his head down. But his his touch is okay. His hands are pretty good around the rim. He's got shot blocking timing. His, uh, his free throw stroke, you know, is, is not there yet. And that's kind of a sign of the beginnings of a shot. But it's okay. It's not completely broken. So he's a guy I think is worth taking a shot on later in the second round. You know, if for nothing else, even just his name and, and what that can help attract. In 2021, 2022, you know, we were already putting the, uh, the Raptors are already putting the hard press on for Giannis. A hundred percent. You got to do what you got to do. It's a smart move. I've mentioned this before. Giannis, this is where the Raptors, you know, I would never have the hubris to think that the, an NBA team should hire me for anything. But Giannis is a big wrestling fan. So, you know, you get me in, you, I schmooze Giannis, <laughs> yeah. you know, front row at a wrestling event. You know, there's, That's, there's something here. Yeah. Yeah. You, it's you. You're you're yeah. obviously the key. Get Costas and get you. The Raptors yeah. got him. I'll be around the 905, and I, I'm sure, you know, if he were a second-round pick, Costas would probably spend at least a little time down there, given where he is on the development curve. So get close with him. You know, Andre Washington, who was with the 905 last year, is a big wrestling guy. Then we'll loop Giannis in. Giannis, actually, he went to a wrestling event when the Bucks were here in Toronto, uh, like at New Year's. There you go. They had like a two-day stop here, and him and like DJ Wilson and Rashad Vaughn and John Henson, I think, were at a were at an event. So there we go. Costas is just uh, Costas is just part one, man. Yeah, Yanis is a raptor. It sounds like. Yeah, it has to be, man. The you've you've been through Greek town in Toronto. How could he not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's got yeah. He's got a huge following there. There's yeah, no doubt. Exactly. Um, okay, so other names the Raptors brought in. I know. I know you're looking at these guys, and they're mostly guys that you think are um, G League type guys. Uh, you you do you have the list in front of you, guys? I sent. I have some of them, yeah. Okay, so so any thoughts? I don't want to go through all of them because there's 15 of them, um, and the most interesting one, other than the two we've talked about, Jalen McDaniels went back to school. Um, yeah. So you know, uh, it never hurts to get a, an early look at a guy and measure against that baseline for next year. But um, yeah, so so of the names that that you've seen the the Raptors work out, does anyone else stand out to you as? You know, I don't want to. I don't want to be like. I don't want to put you on the spot and be like, "Well, Wes, who are you going to be wrong about?" But is there are there any of these guys that you see as potential G leaguers that you know, if something breaks right, if one skill develops, could be NBA guys in your eyes? Yeah. Uh, well, Nana Fowland, I saw him live uh, last season in the in the tournament. Uh, he's a big. He's uh, he's a good shot blocker. He's got good aggression. He's just he's your prototypical kind of. Uh, defensive set undersized center uh so he's pretty strong he, he's i think he's only about six nine i don't know uh what his what his measurements are really is his wingspan or anything like that offensively still developing pretty raw but still average i think about 14 points a game or so um at bucknell so 
So he's an interesting guy uh, because I brings... think my favorite thing I've ever heard. Sorry to cut you off. I think my favorite thing I've heard about him is Mitch Robson from Raptors HQ described him as he could maybe be what you want Serge Ibaka to be. Which obviously for a guy who's not going to get drafted, that's way too high a bar. Um, but I thought it was a funny like we're talking about Serge Ibaka now in terms of uh, you know prospects could maybe be what you'd hope Ibaka could be. Um, unnecessary, unnecessary slight toward Ibaka, but to give you an idea <laughs> of the. Uh, the player archetype we're talking about here. Yeah, but yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. That that's exactly who 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 he could be. You know, potentially, I don't think he's going to be a three point shooter ever, to be honest. But just potentially a rim protector that's athletic and get out and run the floor. Um, another guy, Marcus Foster, who really improved. I saw him live a, a year ago, and he was a chucker. And he's improved his game. He mixes up his attacking and shooting pretty well now. He picks and chooses his spots. He's got a good shot. He's streaky. Think Carmelo light a little bit, but um, but maybe a bit of a better IQ in terms of you know not forcing his shots. But he doesn't really do much else other than score, which is a bit of a problem. Um, so and he and he's a little undersized. Uh, so he's a guy that at least has the scoring ability to make it. But you know I don't I don't think he'll ever he'll ever actually make the NBA. There's a few other guys uh, that I that I've seen, you know, Cassius Robertson, a Canadian kid, but he's, you know, really just a scoring one, just like Andrew Rousey. Um, so those guys, you know, it's hard to to find a role for those guys in the NBA when they're not kind of defenders and. Gotta have one or two local kids on the 905 though. Yeah, no, exa- oh for sure for the 905, you know, they're always looking for the local kids. I'm sure. So yeah. so yeah, that's Aaron, Aaron Best and Casey Keen uh, came through this year. So yeah, yeah, no, those guys, those guys are good players. I like Casey Keen a lot. I actually, I, want, I wanted to ask you about one more, one 905 guy, actually. Okay, um, go ahead. Because I know you saw him a, a couple times, and, and you know I'm high on him, but um, I reported Wednesday morning that he's actually going to be on the Raptors' summer league roster is Siobhan Thompson. Uh, do you right. want to give, I, I, I don't know if there's a huge appetite for Raptors 905 summer league stuff on this podcast <laughs> listenership, but do you want to give, uh, can you provide a brief rundown of Siobhan Thompson, who, you know, I think maybe people will be surprised to see on the summer league roster because Kennedy Meeks was there last year, and he was the starting center all year for the 905. Um, and it's Siobhan Thompson getting that that chance this year, while Kennedy Meeks kind of does the free agent circuit thing. Um, what did what did you see from Thompson? And I, I remember at least early in the year, you seemed as high on him as I am. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I was. I mean, I've cooled off a little just because I've noticed he's he goes really strong with his left, but not as as well with his right. Um, but the the number one thing about him is that he's a great pick and roll player offensively. And he's got rare hands where he can catch low feeds, which from a guy that's like, let's say Lowry, it's going to be tough for him to get that ball up. So he can actually catch it quickly transition into bringing it up and finish. And he's got really good hands around the rim defensively. I think he's got the athleticism, but he doesn't always show it or the effort, you know, and help, but he can block shots definitely defensively. And, and maybe it just needs to click a little more for him defensively in terms of quickly rotating and things like that because you see him do it sometimes but not always. Uh, yeah, but- and he's still, you know, he's not new to the game. At, I think he's 24, um, and, and he, like, played at, at George Mason, and this was his second G League season. Um, but he came to kind of competitive basketball late because he did his high school ball in Jamaica and then came over to the U.S. and did the JUCO thing before landing in college. Um, so, you know, big big men tend to develop a, a little bit slower anyway. So maybe you can you can still project some upside there because he's a couple years away from kind of the, the big man peak on the development curve. That's true. But, 
yeah, I mean, there's a chance that he develops into uh, into an NBA guy, to be honest, because he's got that base of being able to catch the low passes on the roll and finish with good hands. And very few, you don't find hands like that very often. I mean, even in the NBA, there's a lot of guys, you know, they might be there for their defensive ability. Uh, there's not many guys like that. So uh, so he was, um, so he, he's got the chance, you know, and we'll see what he does in summer league. That'll be really interesting to see him against top prospects and against, uh, and against maybe some guys with experience, you know, he'll get to see both sides, whether his skills pan out and whether his athleticism pans out too, I think. Yeah, he put up good numbers at that G League minicamp in Chicago. Um, I didn't get to see any of the action, but hopefully that bodes well for him. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I think he's got a chance. I mean, people I've talked to like him. They just, they kind of question his ability because he, he does seem to go go left almost always and is much stronger left and is pretty pretty weak with his right i mean i've seen him miss some easy shots with his right so yeah. it's you know it, it's it's beauty is again beauty is in the eye of the beholder so yeah. we'll see we'll see what happens with him but i, I like him personally I yeah think and the raptors with lucas noguera set for restricted free agency um and probably unrestricted free agency because it's un, it seems unlikely that they'll tender him a qualifying offer um you know they might be in the market for if not a third center they might not even need a third center if, if they end up with a baka valanciunas and Pirtle all on the roster because Ibaka could then see some time at the five but you could uh you know at least a, an extra center on a two-way deal somewhere on the roster whether it's two-way or, or at the end of the bench you're probably going to want another center so thompson will have a chance to chance to impress and the raptors have shown the last couple of years that they'll use that kind of progression system with guys they like where you get 905 time then you go to summer league uh, and then you're into training camp. It happened with EJ Singler. Um, it happened with Brady Heslip. So um, maybe Thompson gets that opportunity, and and he earns a camp invite with a strong summer league too. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna. I mean, they're gonna need another guy there. I, if it were me, I'd rather go after a guy like Ray Spalding. But you know, for for the money that it might cost, you know, maybe it's worth it to just keep Thompson and and string him along. But yeah, we'll see. And, uh, yeah. Be... Spalding might not end up in their lap anyway, right? Uh, so. Yeah, yeah. We we um, have no idea. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I I don't want to keep you too much longer. I told you half an hour, and we're well over that now. Um, Did you have any other draft or Raptors takes you wanted to wanted to fire off here before we let go? Anything you want to, uh, you know, I'm I'm sure you prepped a little bit, and you've got some takes you want to want to make sure out there before they come before they come to fruition on June 21st. Well, that's a tough one. Uh, I think I think a lot of the guys. I mean, in terms of the draft, a lot of the guys I liked earlier actually moving up the boards and. And so, uh, aside from Thomas and DiVincenzo, there's some other guys. Uh, maybe I'll just throw out a few more names that I like. Um, Jerome Robinson, who's a great scorer from all three levels from Boston College. Uh, he's a guy that I think could help the Raptors. He's he's got good size and he can play. You know, he can play on ball or off ball, and uh, and kind of lighten a bit of the load for Lowry and DeRozan. Uh, another guy, Hamadou Diallo. If you're looking at long-term potential, he's a great athlete. Um, and then here, here's a few guys that I think they could look at uh, for two-way, two-way contracts or, or potential G-leaguers. Uh, Yanti Maiden from Georgia, who's got maybe the best post skills today in the in the draft in terms of his moves. Um, and another guy that really impressed me in Portsmouth, Daryl Macon, uh, who's a who played point guard at at Arkansas, but uh, didn't really prove himself to be a true point guard. And then in Portsmouth, showed really that he did have those skills, and he's got a great shot, shot 42% from the from three this season. So. There's a few more names that, you know, maybe keep an eye on. And if they end up being Raptors, I'm going to look like a genius. There you go. Um, or, or if they end up not being Raptors and, and killing it for someone else. 
Yeah, well, wherever they are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and honestly, the, the best part is for you is that 40 minutes into a podcast, if you don't hit on these guys, no one's going to remember. So Bingo. No Bingo. one's going to hold you. This is the best thing about uh, a podcast like this. Where, yeah. hey, team has no pick. Just throw some names out there, man. Yeah. Oh, happily, happily. There um, they are. And, and obviously, your uh, the work you're doing at NBAProspects.com with the Monday morning scouting report is uh, obviously more nuanced than that, the way I just threw that out there. Um, some really in-depth scouting reports on, on a lot of the big names. Um, I think your ranking list go, goes pretty deep, like beyond the, the 60 in the draft. And, and I've had, I found a lot of value in, in those reports the last couple of years prepping for ahead of the draft because, you know, people who have listened to this podcast the last few years know I kind of don't, you know, I watch March Madness and the conference tournaments, but a lot of my draft prep work comes after the Raptors get eliminated which was super stressful the year they went to the Eastern Conference Finals, and I had three weeks to try to learn everyone for the number 9 and 27 pick. Not as stressful this year when they're out in early May and they have no draft picks. So Yeah, yeah. it's a quiet one. Uh, but yeah, NBAProspects.com has been a, a huge help, so thank you for that, Wes. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, and, and people can follow you at Wes Blair Brown on Twitter, NBAProspects.com for the Monday morning scouting report. Uh, anything else you want to plug before we let you go here, man? No, that's good. That's that sounds great. Yeah, again, nbaprospects.com. Uh, if you're interested, uh, more for basketball professionals, agents, things like that. We do scouting for all levels, uh, for NBA teams, agents, AAU scouting in Canada. Anything you're interested in, and again, for more details, nbaprospects.com. Wes, thanks so much for coming on, man. Enjoy the. Uh, I know it'll be a busy, busy week or two for you here. So enjoy, and, and I'll. I'm sure I'll catch you at summer league, right? Yeah, man. I'll see you out there in Vegas. Okay. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for listening. reputation is built and proven over time. That's why the Home Depot carries Loctite PL Premium Max construction adhesive, the strongest on the market. It stays 100% solid after curing. It won't develop air pockets. And like your reputation, it holds up over time. Right now, get 12 or more for the bulk price of only $8.53 each. Loctite PL Premium Max at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Minimum purchase required, U.S. only. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.